It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Sitting in for Chris Renwick, here's Sean Belegian. What is up? So glad you could join us. A special edition of Sports Wrap here on a Friday night. 760 WJR. I am very pleased to be joined by my pal, Eric Dorch. Dorchy, what's going on, buddy? Not too much. How you doing? Busy week. This is one of those weeks um, on the sports calendar that, that maybe kind of flies under the radar. I mean, think of everything that transpired this past week. You had the Kentucky Derby, I mean, which is still the premier horse racing event, whether you like horse racing or not. Got the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NFL draft, or excuse me, the NFL schedule reveal, uh, which has kind of turned into a made-for-television, can't-miss spectacle. And, of course, we have the Tigers. Oh, yeah. What is going on? I I mean, it's – listen – I, I've said to you and Darren McCarty the last couple years, I, I, I think there have been numerous missteps um, over the past few years. I, I, I wasn't as confident as I know a lot of others were. But with that being said, Eric, I thought with the added playoff teams this year and you know bringing in Javi Baez and bringing in Meadows, I thought that the Tigers were going to compete for a playoff spot. Maybe not get in, but compete for a playoff spot. And and Eric, the reality is um, the Tigers are the worst team in the American League right now and, and really giving the Reds a run for their money in regards to the worst in the league. Yeah, I think it's the flashy toy effect. You get Baez, you get Meadows. Everybody's like, ooh. There's pieces now. This is real. We can do this. And it's just the fact that, as we've seen with a lot of teams, two pieces don't necessarily make like, – they make a difference, but they don't change the, the landscape of the team overnight. Torkelson, you know, is kind of going to where I thought he was. He's, he's a good player, but, he, you know, he, last I heard he was like four for 25 at the plate recently. It's, they have talent, but the talent needs to get a little more experience. So I, I think the flashy toy syndrome hit everybody thinking that, oh, we got these two. We're good. Let's do this. And it's just not that case yet. No, I I, I agree with what you're saying. And uh, listen, there have been flashes by Torque. And, and, and please, let's all take a deep breath. The kid's only 22 years old, okay? Let's, let's not write him off or anything like that. But uh, he is struggling. There's no other way to say that. He is on pace, by the way, uh, Eric, for 177 strikeouts he's batting a buck 46 he's got a 276 uh on base percentage um but you know you expect that from young players i i'm not going to to lay the faults of of what ails the tigers on spencer torkelson the positive side is he's got three home runs which Mm -hmm. leads the team the negative side is this is a team that's not hitting, whether it be home runs or hitting in general. And you add it all up and 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 you have what we have. I mean, the Tigers only a game away from being the worst team in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think I'd be a little more nervous if Torkelson wasn't struggling a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody wants that guy that comes in day one. He's just he's the franchise. He's good to go. And everybody wants that. But I'd rather him go through the slumps now because it means that he's learning and he'll be better. If he comes out and just swinging for the fences, hitting great and all that, I'm, I'd am i be too worried about, okay, 
when's the fall coming? I, I'd just be waiting for the fall. So, I, 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 you know, it's his first year. That, if this team was super competitive, it's a different story. But it, it's not competitive right now. Let him get his lumps. Let him get his practice in. Uh, so that way, when they are ready to win, he's a guy that can be a part of that. Tigers looking to get things turned around uh, tonight as they host the Baltimore Orioles. And Eric, uh, where where is the truth on this team? Is is this a case of the truth is somewhere in the middle? Um, I listen. I I didn't expect them to get in. I thought that they would compete. Um, they're looking like a sub five hundred team again. Are they as bad as the start indicates? I don't think so. No, I I don't think they're as bad as the start indicates. I think. You literally, well, you got to think, they, they, the first couple games, everybody got really excited, and then Baez gets hurt. Everybody got hurt. Like, people, yeah. we couldn't we couldn't even field the starting lineup the way we wanted to. So I think that, that threw him for a little bit of a loop, and then we got into that little thing of no one really cared about wins or losses. We just wanted to see Miggy get 3,000, and... And, you know, so and, and now like the the younger players and the maybe the, like the guys who are tweeners on this ball club, they're, they're starting to show, and it's no, I don't think they're as bad as the record. I think I heard someone the other day say, "Oh no, we're just waiting on the twenty-two and nine record they're about to put up." Uh, don't hold your breath on that one, but I think they could go on a run. I could see them winning, you know, five, six in a row and then falling a little bit. And I, they're going to go back into ebb and flowing. And like you said a little bit below a 500 team. I was with you at the start of the year. I think you and I were both saying playoffs. This is a team that could play for the playoffs, and now it's looking like this is a team that is probably going to have the first overall pick. Yeah, it's 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 just sad. Speaking of first overall picks, I mean, the one thing that, that I will say is uh, getting Casey Mize back, getting Manning back, getting Riley Green and having people, you know, get, you know, what in essence is their real first look at this. This is going to help the team, no doubt about it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when you add it all up, especially with this start, um, I, I think you're looking at a team uh, maybe like last year, may, maybe not that high because, I, you know, people forget they started out like this last year and then they kind of got hot. Now, where I took a vacation from everybody else, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go crazy over 77 wins, no. uh, especially when the general manager at the time had been on the job for six years. I mean, now we're talking about it'll be seven years this summer, folks. So um, th- th- I wasn't having celebrations or anything like that. And I think if they take a step back, boy, the pressure that is already out there. And I think I've made my feelings know about known about Al Avila. I, 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 I mean, in one regard, yes, it's nice that you've got some of these nice pieces, but you got some of these nice pieces because your teams weren't good. I think some of the free agent signings going back to his first year, Zimmerman and Pelfrey and Lowe and and Upton. I, I mean, a lot of bad signings. There's no other way to say that. And then, you know, you couple that with some of the trades. I mean, to get really nothing out of the Justin Verlander or J.D. Martinez deal, that's pretty frightening to me. Yeah, I, I look. I, I I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to Alavila. I think he he's a guy that can he, he seems to find talent and see talent, but like you said, some of his decision making doesn't always give me the most confidence. You know, it, it would be like seeing some of these GMs come in and you know, kind of like what we saw towards the end of Holland's tenure, where he, he found talent, but he also was signing guys that should not have been playing. Uh, you know, on a team with those kind of contracts, and that's what I worry about for Avila. So I, I'm very much on the fence when it comes to him. Uh, well, so glad you could join us tonight, wherever you may be. Special edition of Sports Wrap 
on a Friday night. Glad my pal Eric Dorch can be sitting in with me tonight here on 760 WJR. We have lots to do in this show. Um, one of the things that we do want to talk about, we want to talk about some of the stuff that's happening in the playoffs. Eric, I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to take a guess. My guess is you've been watching a lot of the NBA. A little bit. And I've been watching a lot of the NHL. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair statement? I would say it's probably a fair statement. Yeah. Yeah. We got to we got to compare and contrast what we're seeing in both of those. Also, uh, in the NFL's eternal quest to be the 12 month a year entity, um, the NFL seems to own the week again. How schedule reveal has turned into the big event that it has is unbeknownst to me, but everything that the NFL touches turns to gold. There's no doubt about that. So we will definitely get into that as well. Don't you go anywhere. He is Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you could join us on a Friday night edition of Sports Wrap here on 760 WJR. Back to Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Once again, sitting in for Chris. Here's Sean Belegian. All right, welcome back in. Sports Wrap here on a Friday night. Eric Dorch, I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you can join us on 760 WJR. Uh, Eric, have you been enjoying? We Before we went to the break, I, I mentioned uh, Eric. Uh, not that you're not a hockey fan, but uh, my guess was you were checking out a lot of the NBA playoffs because that's something I know you and I have talked about before, whereas I've kind of been all in with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Have you uh, been able to enjoy these NBA playoffs? Have they been enjoyable to you? So, it's very weird. Some of them have been very enjoyable. Other series, I keep turning on and going, wow, this is still going. Like, it just ended last night. The uh, Miami-Philadelphia uh, series didn't hold my interest for two seconds, and I just I couldn't get into it. But on the other side, I was staying up late every night just to watch the Dallas Mavericks-Phoenix Suns one. That one interests the heck out of me, and I love it. So it, it is one of those things where there are some teams that I can't take my eyes off, and there's other ones where I'm like, okay, you can just let me know when that series is over, and I'll, I'll check in later because I just can't. The only... It happened last night, and I'm mentioning this because we both share a mutual friend in Jordan Young and spin on golf. I stayed up and watched every second of that Toronto-Tampa Bay game, and I got to say, I don't think Jordan liked the outcome. No, he he definitely didn't. I, you know, in my opinion, I think a couple of mm, questionable calls last night. Okay. Uh, Lightning have that uh, lethal power play, and if you put them on the power play, they're going to make you pay, and uh, Lightning find a way to win in overtime. Braden Point scores an overtime game seven in Toronto, as fate would have it, much like last year. And I think many of us know how that turned out, especially those Montreal Canadian fans. But game seven Saturday night in Toronto should be a dandy. Eric, I, I think this first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs has been exceptional. Mm-hmm. I, I heard somebody say it's, it was the best first round in years. I'm not going to go that far. You know, I, I, I think we're prone to kind of some of those overstatements in the moment and, and everything, but I will say this. I, I think it's been exceptional. I have really much to your point. The, the only series that, that just was a dud was the one that I think a lot of people thought would be a dud. And, and it was Nashville and Colorado. I mean, yeah. Colorado, 
swept them, and now Colorado's going to be sitting for quite some time. But, uh, you know, Eric, any time as I look at Saturday night, any time you can get three game sevens on a Saturday, I mean, you've got the the Bees and the Canes down in Raleigh. That's at 4.30 in the afternoon. You've got the Bolts and the Leafs in Toronto. That's at 7. you got the Kings and Oilers in Edmonton uh, at 10 o'clock. Anytime you can get three game sevens, are you kidding me? As hockey fans, we are just grinning. Yeah, I, that I, that last series you mentioned, the Oilers-Kings, uh, that's another one that's absolutely – I thought that would be another one that I would just overlook. All right, Connor McDavid's going to shine, yeah, and that'll be the end of it. But that's another one where I, I turn it on, and I had it on last night, and I'm I'm like, L.A.'s holding their own. It's goal, goal, goal. It's phenomenal, and it's great to watch, uh, and I'm, I am I love it. The series that, uh, to me, is probably the most interesting just because it seems to be the most – competitive chippy one is actually the Boston Canes uh, one. I, I love yeah. that series. I'm, yeah, not, series. I'm not a huge Boston guy. I've never really been. A, so watching them and watching the Canes, you know, hold their own against them. I was like, oh, oh, do I want to see you guys pull this off? It'd be so enjoyable. Caps and Panthers has been like that for yeah. me as well. And, and you know, this is the crazy thing about the game of hockey. Look, Florida was awesome this year. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They were awesome. And the playoffs come, and it looks like, you know, the Capitals kind of look like the Capitals of a few years ago. Florida has a 3-2 series lead, and in my mind, Eric, that is not an indicator of how that series has gone. I think Washington's been the better team, period. You know, there have been spurts for the Panthers that that have given themselves uh, a couple of wins, quite frankly. Uh, but Washington's been the better team, and, you know, we were just talking about Game 7s. Uh, th- think about this, you know, uh, just tonight, Eric, this is a situation. If the Rangers can win in Pittsburgh, we get another game seven. Mm-hmm. Same thing. If if the Capitals can hold serve, another game seven. And if Dallas can win at home, they force a game seven with Calgary. So, you know, to have that many game sevens, and I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this. I- I've always been of the opinion game seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs is the greatest thing in sports unless your team's playing in it. Because when your team's playing in it, you're miserable. I don't care what anybody... Now, of course, if they win, we all sit back and go, oh, wasn't that great? You know, Iserman's goal against the Blues in in 96. Well, everybody talks, you know, so dramatically about that. But the reality is you're dying during that game. It's it's a miserable, unenjoyable experience. Oh, yeah, because you're, you're, like you said, you're, you're, it's, you're wrenched inside. You can't control. But, yes, as soon as it's over and you won, you're like, oh, that was awesome. That was great. Never mind the last three hours where I was miserable. Uh, but, no, games, game seven in general, because, you know, we don't get them as often as we would love. But game seven in general, there's nothing better than that because it literally is back to the wall. One team's going home no matter what happens, so you got to play all out, and it usually breeds the best sports. And Game Seven in hockey, yeah, there's nothing better than that because you get you get everybody going full tilt. The whole not that they don't do it every night, but you get everybody going full tilt as hard as they can, and the 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 cream of the crop really does shine in those Game Sevens. Let me ask you something: as the playoffs have progressed, and 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 I'll defer to you on the NBA. As the playoffs have progressed, is there? Is there a favorite in your mind? Does anybody jump out to you and go, "Okay, you know what? They're making me. They're making me rethink what I thought heading into the playoffs." Well, kind of like the Florida Panthers, I think everybody thought the Phoenix Suns were the they were the team. They were the best. They had the best record in the NBA all year. They looked unstoppable, and now 
you have Dallas who's taken them to you know taking them to game seven and it's unbeatable so I I, I kind of want to lean in on Dallas Dallas just doesn't seem to want to go away at all you got Luka Doncic 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 I'll say that name right one time who's the best player in the league in my opinion he, he's a phenomenal young talent and on the other side you have Chris Paul who everybody wants to see Chris Paul get a ring and you would think this is the team to do it but I, I just I, I the more I watch them the more I'm a big fan of Dallas and I think it, it could be I think you get Dallas and uh Milwaukee in the finals. I just think Greek Freak wants a back-to-back title because who knows how many more chances he's going to get at it. What a blow by uh, the the Celtics the other night. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I mean, just to just to get now. What about Dubs? Uh, I, I mean, seriously, the Warriors. They I, I, again. I I haven't watched a lot. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have. I I always think it's funny when guys do shows like this, and I I didn't see it. Okay, I'm yeah. telling you point blank. But what I am going to say is. Uh, Golden State seems to look like, well, the Golden State teams of yesteryear. Is that a fa- fair statement? It, it, as long as Steph Curry's on the court, and yes, they do look that way. But the thing that's kind of interesting about that is that was the best series of all of them because you had John Morant, this young up-and-comer, going against Steph Curry, and they were really going against each other, and it was phenomenal. And then John Morant's out for the rest of the playoffs with an injury, and everybody's like, oh, okay, Golden State wins. It's you know, Let's get on to the next one. And then in that first game without John Morant, uh, the Grizzlies come in and blow Golden State out. So that's what it just shows you. It's so competitive. But, yeah, I think as long as Draymond Green, you know, former Spartan, I'm sure you love him, whatever he is, what he is, Klay uh, <laughs> Thompson and Steph Curry, as long as they're on the court, you can never count those guys out. There's a reason they made it to, like, six straight NBA finals and won three rings. So it, it, they're always a very competitive team, and it's going to be tough to rule them out. But I just think you look when you look at Dallas, and that, that's who – Golden State would have to go against at some point. There's just too much talent on Dallas to to overcome. It's younger, it's faster, and it wants it more at this point. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, coming up, uh, we do want to get into the Lions schedule and the NFL's earnestness, I might add, uh, to become 12 months a year. The one thing that I would say uh, as we transition over before the break is they have to figure out something to do in June that captures everybody's attention because Every other month is covered. I mean, really, they they just figure out one big event to do in June, and 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 maybe you know their goal of being twelve months of year will be realized. But but Eric, you know, I know you've said, and as we've talked about the draft before mm-hmm. with Bill Keenest and how um, the the draft not that long ago wasn't even on television, and it's turned into this major thing. I just laughed at myself because it seems like the past decade, the schedule release and, and really it's, it's accelerated immensely. The last few years, the schedule release and the silly release videos that come out on social media. It is amazing what that's become in just a, a few years time. Absolutely. I can remember back in the day when watching the draft was a weird thing to do and now people don't miss it. So yeah, it, the NFL is trying to grow and they're doing it in different ways. It's incredible. So we'll talk about the Lions schedule. It's uh, May 13th. Uh, You can never, ever, ever be too early to talk NFL. He's Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. We are so glad you can join us on a Friday night edition of Sports Wrap here on 760 WG. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Once again, sitting in for Chris, here's Sean Belegian. All right, welcome back in. So glad you can join us here on a Friday night. 
It is Sports Wrap, Friday night edition. He is Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. Well, Eric, you know, we were talking about the playoffs. Full disclosure, I did not watch the schedule reveal last night. I was, shocker, watching hockey. But I (laughs) did have my phone up for when uh, the schedule was was released. I'm, I'm always intrigued, and I always look at the schedule, and I always do the silly game of trying to figure out the lions win loss record, which really is an exercise at futility at this point in time in the season for a myriad of reasons. But like everybody else, I don't know about you, Eric. I always like to see, okay, what's the first Monday night game? Uh, Are the lions on in prime time? And of course, are, who is the Lions playing on Thanksgiving? It, it had been leaked earlier in the day that they were going to be playing the Bills, but you wanted to see it officially, and I think I speak for a lot of people. I love, love, love Lions-Bills on Thanksgiving. That's certainly one that jumps out to me. I, I, I love it. I love a game we could potentially win, but I, I do love that. It's it's fun to watch great teams come to Ford Field and all that. The Thanksgiving Day game, it, it, it's, it's interesting to me because – it's a tradition, and I'll never, I'll never forget it. And I'll, always, I've been to many of them, but it's also that one where it's like I almost feel like if the the Lions didn't have it one year, I don't know that I would notice, other than not sitting on the couch watching a Lions game with you know with turkey. But it, it, Buffalo is a phenomenal team, and it's going to be so much fun to watch them here. But I do the same thing. That schedule comes out. First thing I do is go. All right, win, loss, loss, <laughs> win. And the thing is, I, I hate it because my first, if if there's drafts, there's mock drafts. My first draft always has the Lions as a playoff team. I'm like, win, win. Oh no, they're not going to win that game. Like I, I, I did it real quick and jotted down. I have them going like nine and eight next this year, and that's not going <laughs> to happen. But it, as I'm going back and looking at it, I'm like, these all make sense though. They should beat Washington. They should beat Philly, but they probably won't. <laughs> That's exactly it's, how it works it out. It's, it's amazing. Me. No, it really is, Eric. It's it's amazing. And I listen. I did the same thing. And and this is why I say this is why I say that that the schedule game is is just so absurd this time of year. And yes, I am a hypocrite. Make no mistake about that because I play the schedule game as well. Mm-hmm. There is still so much that we don't know about these teams. You know, I, you know, who's going to be caught? Are they going to add anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And not just that, I think the simple nature of what the NFL is today, um, the NFL is not the league that when you were younger or even where, when I was younger, Eric, where you pretty much knew what a team was going to be coming into the season. You don't see that in the NFL anymore. There is parity. Now, there's a group of teams you can always set your watch to. They're going to be there. But there is a giant mass of teams. The vast majority of teams, you don't know. Are they going to go? Are they going to go 10 and 7? Are they going to go 6 and 11? You know, and then you have that group. And unfortunately, the Lions have been in that group the last few years. Okay, is it going to be 3? Is it going to be 8? What are we looking at? So I, I think just the simple nature of playing the schedule game at this point in time in the year is silly, but we have to do it anyway. Well, we do it anyway. Well, I, I think we're, we're kind of in that weird situation because what you just described is the NFC North. Pencil Green Bay and they're twelve yep. and they're twelve and five, twelve and twelve and four, whatever. They're gonna they're gonna be the top team in the NFC North, assuming Aaron Rodgers plays all the games, which he probably will. But then you have Minnesota and Chicago teams who were not very good the last couple of years, but every so often one of them will throw off this weird year where they go ten and six, and it's like where did that come from? So 
it's hard to predict because in your head you're like, all right, we'll go 500 in the NFC North and that'll be that. But then one year the Chicago Bears go to the Super Bowl because they have a random great year. So it makes it very hard to do that. And, you, you, you know, like you said, things change so quickly. The guy who's starting in, you know, Washington today could not be the starter tomorrow and it completely blows everything up. Like you look at Seattle. Right now, if Seattle played tomorrow, uh, Locke is their quarterback. And it's like that should be a win. But you know that's probably not going to be the case. Something will happen. Cough, cough. Baker Mayfield going to Seattle probably. Yeah, no, that and and I agree with you. I mean, that's that the unpredictability of a bunch of teams is 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 just insane. I mean, you see it. I Minnesota Vikings. It's funny that you bring up our division because the Vikings to me are like the ultimate. That's that's an NFL team to me. Okay, that elevator that they're on. I always call it the NFL elevator. Right? They might be on. The sixth floor one year for, with six wins, and then kind of go up to the 12th floor or the 11th floor, and then back down to the eighth, and then back up to the ninth, and then back down to the seventh. They've been on an NFL elevator for a long time, and uh, Kirk Cousins in particular has been running that elevator. You never know what you're going to get out of him. That's the league today. And I think it's part of the reason the NFL sells hope. All right. You add, you add uh, a game on the schedule. Why is that? Well, you know what? You're selling hope to a fan base. Like, let's use the Detroit Lions as, a, as an example. Yeah. You know, the Lions have a stretch where, where in my mind, after the Thanksgiving Day game, Eric, you have Minnesota at home, at the Jets, at Carolina, Chicago at home. You win three out of four of those games, or God forbid, even win four, and then all of a sudden going into that last game of the year, maybe just maybe – the Lions are in a playoff mix where this has to happen or that has to happen for the Lions to get in. But as long as they're a chance, you know how fans are. People are going to be excited. And that's what the league does. I mean, the league sells hope in that regard. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, one of the things I had wrote, written down was after Buffalo, you're, you're looking at four, potentially five, depending on how Minnesota is that year, five teams that are all vying for top five picks in the draft. And it's like, well, we're going to be there too, but someone has to win those games. And that's what I, and you mentioned that, you know, the Minnesota, the elevator, all I can say is I'd like to know where that elevator is. I want to put the lions on it so we can have an up year than a down year. Cause we're just staying in the middle right now. And it, you know, those high years would be great to have as a Detroit fan. But I, I, I agree with you that you're talking about a five week period where, they could go zero and five. They could go three and two. They could go five and zero. Fingers crossed, and that makes a huge difference in this league right now. Well, I, I don't want to be misconstrued as negative guy because I know I haven't been, uh, you know, Mister Emphatic Thumbs Up about Alavila. Uh, let me be emphatic thumbs up about what Brad Holmes and his staff are doing. I mean that. I I, I really like what they're doing. I know I knew used this analogy last year talking to you and, and Darren McCarty here on 760 WJR, the Lions looked in the mirror, and instead of seeing Brad Pitt as they have seen for years, they looked in the mirror and said, I got to start working out, bro. Yeah. We got some work to do. And they've gone out and done the work, and, and they're building. This isn't, we're going to be ready this year. We are going to go. No, they're building, and they're doing it the right way, and they're doing it through the draft and systematically taking care of some of the issues. I, I really like what these guys have done, Eric. I, I do too, and I, the thing for me, and it, it's a more of a visual thing, but it, it's the passion you get out of Brad Holmes. The, the sixth-round pick 
whoever it is, he's just as excited about drafting that guy and celebrating in the draft room as he is when he drafted Aiden Hutchinson or when he, you know, when he drafted these guys. This is someone who he's got his board, he knows who he wants, and when he gets that guy, it excites him so much because he knows what that person is going to be able to do for this team. And that's someone who's all in. It's not, I'm doing this until this job opens up or I'm doing this until... I can get I can go over here. This is a guy who wants to be in Detroit and wants to build a winning franchise and he's got a head coach that's right there with him. And if you can't get behind that, then I don't know what you can get behind in sports cuz that's what we all are. We just don't get to pick the guy. I'm with you. Good point there. Eric Dort, Sean Belegian with you on a Friday night. Uh one more segment to go. Uh we're going to call this segment amongst other things as we have a little odds and ends throughout the segment, but some guys have all the luck. Unbelievable. And they went to Michigan. I had a feeling you'd throw that in. He's Eric Dorch. I'm Sean Belegian. Sport Trap, Friday Night Edition here on 760 WJR. Don't go anywhere. Back to Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Once again, sitting in for Chris, here's Sean Belegian. All right, welcome back in. Uh, final segment of the show here on a Friday night uh, edition of Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. My name is Sean Belegian, joined by Eric Dorsch. Well, we said, Eric, before we went to the break, some guys have all the luck. Uh, Tom Brady, and um, I, look, if if you're not acknowledging this anymore, mm-hmm. you're you're just you're not being honest with yourself. He's the goat. He is the goat. I was one of those guys. I held on to Joe Montana for years, and then uh, Eric, my my tipping point was the Super Bowl win against the Falcons. At that point in time, I threw my hands up and I said, now I'm just being an idiot. Now now I'm just being my father. And, and what I mean by that is my dad was always one of those guys when I was growing up watching sports where we would be watching a game and, and he'd say, oh, Gordy Howe was better than this Gretzky guy <laughs> or Otto Graham was better than this Montana guy or whatever. My, you know, Everybody was better when my dad was younger. And I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't know how you argue with Tom Brady. It's it's. I think you're just being silly at this point in time. I really do. Look, if if my dad still had a say in things, Larry Bird would be the greatest shooter of all time. It's just that's <laughs> how he is. That's how he's always been. There's a reason that for my 10th birthday, I got a Larry Bird jersey because he wanted me to know about Larry Legend. So I, I completely agree. Uh, our 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 coworker and friend Dave Rieger to this day still tries to fight me that Montana is better, and I can't argue that Montana was a very talented quarterback, but. With the 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 stats, the pedigree, the like the awards and trophies, it's just impossible not to say that Tom Brady is ahead of everyone else. And I and I know everyone, oh, U of M bias and all that, and that's great. He's just that good. He could have gone to any school in the country. If you have that kind of pedigree, you can't put it down anymore. There's just no debating it. When you when you win that much, I I don't know how it can be debated. I'm with you. So. Uh, not only is he uh, married to one of the most beautiful women in the world, uh, not only does he have all that success on the on the football field, and oh by the way, another fifteen million dollars with the Bucks this year on his restructured contract. But uh, Eric, he has a job waiting for him as he when he transitions out of the NFL. 
Yeah, nice little lucrative uh, 10-year, $375 million booth job. You know, I'm just curious where that job posting was because I really would have liked to have applied for it. Yeah, but you know, it's it's one of those things where Fox has come out and disputed that number. Uh, yeah, I, I know it's a. It's my a guess, Eric, number. is it's very close to that number. I that that's my guess. Yeah, no, I I, I again, it, it it even says in the report that the it's the New York Post that reported that number, and Fox is disputing it and all that because if it is what it is, it's the most lucrative deal in broadcasting history, and it's like. Okay, I get I, I get it, but at the same time, this guy has done nothing broadcasting-wise other than answering broadcasters' questions. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. And I don't know about you because it's the only similarity. I never got on the Tony Romo bandwagon. I, I got tired of learning or knowing what was going to happen before it happened. I kind of like the suspense of seeing the play and then having it co- commented on. So I never really like, – Tony Romo did an okay job, but he never did it for me, and I feel like that's what we're going to get with Tom Brady. He's going to – be in there to try to say, oh, yeah, we would do this here. And then if the team does it, he looks like a genius. I'm a firm believer in this business. It's funny that you brought that up. Eric, I'm a firm believer in this business and not just, you know, the broadcast business. I'm I'm talking about even even hosts in, in, in the sports casting business. And, and I think people know I've hosted for over 20 years now. I think there's a shelf life. I, I really firmly believe that there's a shelf life. And, and I'm going to use... Tony Romo is exhibit A because Eric, two years ago, I would have argued with your take a moment ago about him adamantly. Okay. Tony Romo was outstanding to me. It was unlike anything we had heard. He was exciting. He was excitable. He was telling you what you were going to see, but his shelf life has me exactly in the same spot that you're at. I I, I don't enjoy him anymore. I I just don't. And he's not bad. I want to be crystal clear. I'm not dogging the guy and say, look, there are some bad broadcasters, okay? I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't enjoy it anymore. It's, it's, It's kind of become an old bit. And, and I that's I have friends that are the same way. Like a couple of years ago, they would have said, "Oh, he's the best on TV. He's phenomenal." He for a while it was great because it was something we hadn't seen before. But after a while, it got to the point where he was literally telling you every play before it happened. And all that showed me was he was a successful NFL quarterback who paid attention and kind of knew what the NFL schemes were and what teams are more than likely going to do. And it's like that's great. Every once in a while, I want to be a little surprised that they're going to do that play. Don't tell me they're going to do that play. And I agree with you. He's not a bad broadcaster at all. He's he was very talented and still is. But it's it's reached that point. He needs to make a little alteration to what he does to kind of re up everything. There are moments of annoyance, if I may say so. Like yeah. I, the one time that jumps out to me is I think sometimes you just have to let the action do the talking. And if I'm not mistaken, he did that crazy Chiefs Bills game, which was one of the best games. That, that I think any of us have seen, yeah. right? And and he was annoying. Sometimes you have to let the action speak for itself. And 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 I think that, you know, what's the old adage? You have to know when to keep quiet and when to speak up. And and to me, just one man's opinion, it was almost like he was trying to include himself in what was going on. And that was like, no, dude, just sit back. This is an epic game. Just let everybody chill and enjoy this game and and kind of fill in the pieces because most of the pieces were being filled in in that game. And I, I still say, and again, Eric, I go back to what I said earlier in the show. 
I can't stand those overstatements. You know, the <laughs> the live in the moment type of this was the best game I ever. This is the best player. Yeah. That Bills Chiefs game was legitimately one of the best games I've ever seen. Period. End of story. I'll say it now. I'll see it twenty five years from now. Oh, it was a great game, and I, but I agree. Like I would have. It's like those old timey baseball guys. They're not going to say, "Oh, he's going to hit a you know a double into left field." They don't know that. So, yeah. but they would you you were hearing the play after it happened because that's how they had to do it. I kind of want that out of Romo. I want you know you could say, oh, "Yeah, I, I think they go with the screen pass here," but if that doesn't happen, give us the you know Mahomes. Mahomes, you know, fakes right, throws deep to you know so and to Travis Kelsey. For a twenty-yard, you know, touchdown. Give me that. I don't need you to say, "Oh, what they're going to do is this, this, and this." Give me the play as it's happening because it's you calling the play, not like you said, not being a part of the play. You're not under center. You're telling us what they're doing here. Brady doesn't seem like the guy to me. By the way, that's going to do this for a long time. No, I, I, I just don't think he's going to be one of those lifers. You know, I mean, guys like in Dan Deardorff, who did it forever and a day on CBS, and then obviously went over to Michigan. Brady Brady doesn't seem like that guy to me. I think that he's going to give this a go for a few years, especially with the money being what it is. But I can see him moving on and, and, and just moving on to something else eventually. I mean, that's just – he strikes me as that type. See, I, I'm I, – I, the broadcasting side of it, I don't think he does long. I will say that. I think this is just a little break. I, I can't see Brady being away from the sidelines for long. I think Brady wants mm-hmm. to be on the sidelines. He said it. Football is his life. It's his addiction. So I think this is a way to kind of take a break. You, you can be home with the family for the week, travel to the game. You can you can have retirement. And after a couple of years, I think you're going to see Brady, like you're going to start hearing the rumors that he's going to go be a quarterback's coach for this team. Or oh, oh, I could see him being like Byron Leftwich. He's going to be the offensive coordinator for a team. I don't know that he'll ever be an NFL head coach, but I could see him coaching in some capacity somewhere. I just don't think he can stay off the sideline. All right. I know we only have a uh, a little bit remaining here on this Friday night. Eric, it was a pleasure sitting in with you. Always appreciate it. But I have to ask you, we talked about this last segment. And we saved it for last. Uh, what was your What was your final Lion schedule game tally? Uh, let's see. There's 17 games, so nine and eight, if I'm not mistaken. If I, have I to had remember. eight, yeah, I, I had eight. I, I I have them. I have them having a very very nice first. I, I have them going three and three and two in the first five, and after that, it was just it, yeah. There there are way more W's on there than there probably should be, and I'm sure that'll change as we get a little closer to the year. But I, I by the end, I was looking at it and going like. What is going on here? Like, I there, know. There just can't be that. I many felt the there. exact same way. I last year I had four, I, and and you know mm. people were killing me for it, and then, and then obviously they they won three, but I have eight, and it's like I I kind of feel because I'm a firm believer next year they're going to be a good team. Like yeah. I really when I say next year I don't mean 2022, I mean 2023. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that they're going to be a good team, but. Wouldn't it be nice if they surprised us all in 2022? I think they're going to be better than we expect. I think everybody needs to go in with the low three, four win expectations, and then we're going to get a little surprised. That being said, I don't don't expect it to be close to 500, but it'll be better, and it's going to be like that. It's going to be the gradual progression. This year, maybe five, six wins. Next year, we start seeing them look like a team that can really actually do something past you know week 17. Yeah. Great stuff, Eric. Uh, So glad that we had a chance to sit in and do this. Uh, Always a pleasure chatting with you, my friend. You too, buddy. Uh, Listen, go out and enjoy a beautiful, beautiful Michigan weekend. The weather's supposed to be outstanding. Maybe 
hit the golf course. Speaking of the golf course, uh, we'll be back Sunday night with Spin on Golf, 7 o'clock right here on 760 WJR. Now for my pal Eric Dorch, I'm Sean Belegian saying thanks so much for listening to Sports Wrap Friday Night Edition on 760 WJR. Good night, everybody.